Jesus. Let's just jump right in. The worship team, God bless you for your ministry and your service to the kingdom. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Look at this, y'all. I want us um, to dive into the word, um, and I don't want to rush, and I know that I'm a little country, and I have a tendency to get passionate and talk fast. So um, I need y'all to bear with me, all right? Um, But we're going to dive into this text. Pastor Murphy sent me an email a few weeks ago telling me that you were going through this series called Launch. Um, And uh, immediately I had this image of just that, a rocket taking off. And when I was little, y'all, Um, I wanted to be an astronaut. I did. I did. I wanted to be an astronaut and I wanted to be a photographer and I wanted to be a baby doctor and I wanted to make ice cream. But that's none of your business. I wanted to be an astronaut. Okay. And so I remember being younger, watching all of the NASA launches because I was so fascinated with space. And there is something that happens at every rocket launch called a countdown. Right. For months, maybe even years, the, the architects and the engineers have been constructing this, this, this vehicle to go to the moon or to the stars or to a space station or to a planet. But for months and years, they were working together to construct this thing that if it is messed up or off by one air, we've seen the Challenger explore, they, they'll blow up. It won't reach its appointed destination. It won't meet the place or it won't do what it's been designed to do. So it takes time for this rocket to be constructed and put together. And everybody is waiting with anticipation for this rocket to reach its appointed destination. They've been waiting for years to see this thing that has been created launch out into the atmosphere. And all of us are going to celebrate once this thing reaches the place that it's been designed to go. But before it can go anywhere, Pastor Murphy, there is something called a countdown. And this countdown has to happen with every rocket launch. And it does not matter how long you've been waiting, how many years you've been waiting, how many delays you've had to sit through. There still has to be a countdown, a 10, a 9, a 8, a 7. And in that last 10 seconds, what we are seeing and preparing for is the culmination of everything else that the rocket had been preparing to do. 7, 6, 5, 4, Three, two, and once we reach one, we begin to see the engines ignite. And this thing that took years and months to create, we finally see it launch into the atmosphere. Beloved, I I feel so deeply now, as I did when I received that email a few weeks ago, that God is ready to launch South Bay into some, some, some places that you just dreamed about. They were just, just blueprints at first, and, and, but it takes a little time uh, to go from the dream stage of planning to the final launch phase. And um, I believe that there's something that this text can tell us about that. I gave the, the, the AV people the title uh, leader shift, but I'm going to shift the title because I believe that God has a word specifically for each of you. And I believe that as we go through these few verses, you'll find yourself in the text. And I just want to change the title really quickly. And I want to title this message, When Shift Happens. 
when shift happens in our lives, when shift happens. You know, there are some things that Jesus shows us in the text that when shift begins to happen, there are some things that begin to happen in and around our lives that God shows us and reminds us that you're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, don't get discouraged. Now, when we look at the text, the first thing that we see, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, Acts 1 picks up where Luke 24 leaves off. We see Jesus now walking with the disciples, and the Bible tells us in Acts 1, verse 3, that he spends his time proving that he was alive. Yeah, it's right there in the text. It says, after he suffered a while, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And I believe that when shift happens, every now and then, God has to remind you that he is still alive. Is there any proof in the building that God is alive? He he proved to the apostles that that I'm not in the grave. I'm not still on the cross. I'm very much alive. I'm not dead, but I am present. And, and, And every now and then when we are going through these shifting moments in our lives, when you want to give up and you want to give in, Christ will show up and say, hey, I just want you to know I'm still alive. I'm still on the scene. I'm not on the grave. I'm not checked out. I'm not on vacation. Is there any proof in the building that Jesus is alive? Does anybody know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus lives. I know that he lives because he made a way out of nowhere. I know that he lives because he keeps my mind in perfect peace. I know that he's alive because he keeps protecting me. Jesus is alive. And and I believe that, that this is necessary because we need proof that Jesus is alive because it is the proof that builds our faith. Yeah, I shared with the Tough Talks group yesterday that if you ain't never had a faith that's been tested, it ain't a faith that can be trusted. Write that down. Tweet that. Pastor Mac at Jesus and Pound Cake. That's my Twitter handle. Yeah, if you ain't never had a faith that had been tested, you ain't got a faith that can be trusted. And every now and then, we have to put our faith on the line. We believe that God is. We believe that God can. We believe that God will. But every now and then, the situation gets so thick, and you're saying, God, are you still there? God, what are you going to do? God, why is this happening now? How much more can I handle? When another black man going to get shot again? Why do there have to be so many protests? Why do we have to riot? God, what is going on? And it's in those moments that you got to reach in your pockets, pull out the proof, look at the receipts and go, hold on, but you're still alive. You still got control. There's still all power in your hands. The world is ever changing, but you're still the same. And because you are alive, I'm going to trust you. Yeah. Jesus has been walking with these men for the last three years, and he has been teaching them about the kingdom of God. He has been, uh, been ex- given great examples of what it means to, to give miracles, and he's been showing them how to preach, and he's been showing them how to love on people. And now it is their time to stop following and start leading. And Jesus says, there's a couple of things that I need you to understand. First of all, know that I am alive. And I don't know who you, I'm talking to today, but you need to understand it does not matter where your circumstances have you right now. It does not matter how bad you feel and how dark the things get. Jesus is alive. And I believe two or three people know that in the room because if you didn't know it, worship wouldn't be the way that worship is right now. Because I know that Jesus is alive, I want to worship. Because I know that Jesus is alive, I want to praise him. The next thing, the next thing that he did in this text, the Bible says in verse 4, is on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Check this out. He says, do not leave Jerusalem 
but wait for my gift from my father, which one of you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, so Jesus first proves that he's alive, and then he gives a promise of provision. That I'm sending you to do something. I'm sending you to a place, but know that I'm not sending you alone, and I'm definitely not sending you powerless. See, some folks don't know where to shout. Let me help you out with this. Yeah, yeah. Some of us have been feeling this great call, this great demand on our lives that, that God definitely wants to do more in our lives, that God definitely wants me to, to do more to advance his kingdom, that God definitely wants me to love on more people. But how many of you know you can't do anything for God unless you're filled with the spirit of God? Yeah, 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 yeah. You try to do it by yourself and you'll be out there by yourself and you'll get messed up by yourself. But where God guides, he provides. He said, look, I don't need you to do anything else right now. I don't need you to build any more, write any more books. I don't need you to preach any sermons. I don't need you to go out in any streets. What I need you to do is wait on my spirit to fill you. Because once my spirit has filled you, then it will lead you, guide you, and direct you into the ministry opportunities that I'm sending you to. You've got to be filled by the spirit. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost ain't something you catch on Sunday. It is something that we are filled with on a daily basis. It is the living, breathing spirit of God that embodies the temple of his people. And when the Holy Spirit comes, we have power to live and move and breathe. When the Holy Spirit is filled with us, then we are able to walk through doors that no man can open and shut doors that no man can close. Look, when the spirit of God is on us, we are able to operate in power and love and sound mind. We don't live in fear. We walk by faith because I know that inside of me is the spirit of God that is working in and through me. And you might not understand understand how I can walk with so much confidence, how I can walk with my head up, but I am filled with the spirit of God. The God in me is so rich and so heavy and so full. If I don't use it for his glory, it will mess me up. I've got to move in obedience with the spirits. And beloved, in this time, you have to operate In the spirit of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. It ain't spooky. It ain't strange. It is the promise of God for us to operate in power. If you want your family healed, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you so that you can speak truth to power and cast out demons in the name of Jesus. If you want to see healing operate, you got to ask God, fill me with your spirit so that cancer tumors can shrink up and AIDS can go away. In the name of Jesus, I am filled by your spirit and led by your spirit to do everything that you called me to do. And even when it seems impossible, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I'm filled with his spirits. Check this out. My grandmama was a Pentecostal pastor and a great woman of faith. And I used to remember her um, just, just, just do things that I think was radical. Now, she's a pastor, and I don't know if y'all know this or not. Um, pastoring is not a, a high-paying profession, Right? And I know there would be some times that it was just tough, but she just trusted God and did whatever the Lord said her to do. And I said, Grandma, why do you keep doing this? Like, we travel from this side of Kentucky to the other side of Kentucky, and you serve this church and you serve that church. She said, all I know to do is what the Lord tells me to do. She said, and baby, if the Lord tells me to walk through that wall, I got to believe that there's enough spirit in me to take my head to that wall and rest it right there and believe that God is going to carry me through it. And I don't know what the wall is in your life today, but I believe God is calling you to walk through it. As a matter of fact, he said you can speak to the mountain and tell the mountain to be moved. 
But you can't just do that lackadaisically because you done read it. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit. You want your family redeemed? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You want your kids to start acting right? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to change the atmosphere on your job because you're tired of them hellions always starting some stuff on your job place? Get filled with the Spirit because let me tell you something. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You can walk over here if you want to, but you're going to be limping back because the God in me ain't going to allow it to bother me. Finally, blood, finally, 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 he says this. He says, check this out. He said, not only am I going to give you the promise of provision, but I want you to understand that I have the plans and I know what priority is. Check this out. In verse 6, he says this. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, check this out. Because I'm lightweight ratchet, um, I believe that Jesus got smart, right? Because in verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, of course, it reads really nice in the Bible. In my head, Jesus went like this. It is not for you to know the time or the place. I'm sorry. I'm a little ghetto. All right. But Jesus said this. You're asking me about what my father's plans are based off of your calendars. It's not for you to know when the father's going to do what he's going to do. Just know that he's going to do it. And see, for most of us, the revelation that we need to get out of this is that you got to relinquish your calendars and your control. Yeah, you can't control when God's going to do what God's going to do, but you just got to make yourself available for him to use you when he's ready to do it. I, I shared earlier, the earlier service, that I've got a young lady on my ministerial staff, and she is the type A of type A of all believers. She uh, graduated when she was 18, and she completed her bachelor's degree when she was 21.5 years old. And then she completed her, she just completed her MDiv, and she is now 24 years old. And she said, Pastor, 27, excuse me, 27 years old, she just completed her MDiv. And she said, Pastor, I'm concerned. I said, why are you concerned? She said, I'm a little afraid. I said, why are you afraid? She said, because my husband is nowhere around. I said, well, what's the problem with that? She says, well, by now he should be here. I said, based off whose calendar? She said, well, in my plan, he was going to show up at 25. We were going to be married by 27. We were going to start having babies around 30. And by 35, I was going to be done with kids because I was going to get my body back by 37. All the kids were going to be out by the time I was 56. And we were going to be retired and living in Florida by the time I was 60. I said, boo-boo, guess what? Your man is not on your calendar. God's going to send your husband when you're ready. And right now, you got your priorities in the wrong place. You're so busy looking for a man and God says, I want you to find me because where I am is where your work is, but you're too busy trying to hold on to your calendar and hold on to your control. Release all of it. Let it go and you'll be surprised where God will send your man. And right there I lost about three single people. Talking about he could take his behind back to Kentucky. I did not come here for all of that. But check this out. Jesus had to check the disciples. He was like, look, don't ask me when the kingdom of God is coming. Don't ask me when I'm going to overturn the kingdom. Don't, don't, no, 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 no. Your, your, your priorities are in the wrong place. 
You're more worried about church colors and church anniversaries than you're worried about souls out in the streets. Don't, don't, don't come in here and asking me when I'm going to overturn the kingdom and when am I going to establish my throne. No, 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 no. You're worried about what's on the screen, and I'm trying to tell you you need to worry about what's in the souls. You're worried about the wrong thing. You need to check your priorities and put them in the right place. And, and as I was reading this, it, it reminded me of a poem that I, I used to read all the time in Black Achievers um, by Dr. Benjamin May. And it's called God's Minute. Maybe some of y'all know it. It simply goes like this. I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up for me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. And y'all, we've got to understand that The minutes are not ours because our thoughts are not like his thoughts and his ways are not like our ways. But if I'm filled with his spirit and I'm following his plan, then I'll just wait for God to send me where he wants me to go and I'll get there when he wants me to get there. And I hear the Holy Spirit say that some of y'all have been praying for your babies. (laughs) And you're like, God, how much longer? Am I not praying right? Am I, not, am, I, am, I, am I praying the wrong thing? And the Lord says, look, you thought that if you started praying on money, he'd be saved by Friday. But just like I had to deal with you and your mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I do things in my time, I knew you had to do some time so that you would appreciate freedom. And, and so don't give up and think that God is not hearing you because things are not moving in the way and by the speed that you think God is going. God said, I will give you peace if you keep your mind stayed on me. So, God, I just believe that you will do it. Your spirit is telling me that we can do it. Your spirit is telling me that they will be healed. They will be saved. They will be set free. And I'm just waiting on you. I'm not going to rush you. I'm, not, I'm taking off the clock. I'm releasing control because I'm being led by your spirit. I was uh, telling them at the earlier service, one of my absolute favorite things to do, I'm, I'm, I am married with five children. Um, I have a 21-year-old. Why is that funny? I have a 21-year-old, um, um, a 13-year-old, a 6-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 3-year-old. Woo, I know. <laughs> right. Yeah, somebody should have gave us a Monopoly board very early in our marriage, but they didn't. All right, so... One of my absolute favorite things to do um, with my children is to go to the apple orchard. We go to Mr. Huber's farm, and we love picking apples in Mr. Huber's farm. Um, But you can't just pick apples at any time, y'all. If you go to Huber's farm in the wintertime, it's a waste of time because there's no apples. You can't go in the spring because springtime is not apple harvesting time. Summer is way too hot, but at the right time in the fall... It's apple picking season, and we love it. And, beloved, I just want to leave y'all with this. Look, the apple tree was given the assignment to bear the fruit of apples when it was just a seed placed into the earth realm. And it doesn't matter if I stood over that seed and said, pear, 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 pear. (laughs) It could only produce what God ordained it to produce. Ah! But 
you can't get apples immediately, especially not the good ripe ones, right? You've got to wait on some time for these apples to manifest, right? And so you can't do it in the wintertime. You can't get apples in the wintertime. And, and you'll see the tree, and you know that it's an apple tree because you know the seed that was planted into the ground, but there's no apples on the tree in the wintertime. But what is happening in the winter seasons is that God is fortifying the roots. God is making the tree stronger, making the tree Thick enough so that it can endure the winds and the storms of the springtime. And so when the spring weather starts coming and the storms start falling, that tree still doesn't bear any fruit. But we just see little bitty green buds begin to sprout out on the tree. Still no apples, but the assignment has not changed for it to bear fruit that it's an apple. And, and, and in the springtime, you, you get a little excited because you see a little growth, but you don't see any apples. And, and then in the summertime, it gets blazing hot and, and caterpillars come out and they'll eat up some of the leaves and it'll discourage you because you're thinking, oh my God, they're going to kill my crop. But the tree keeps growing and it keeps going and it blooms these beautiful green leaves. And then we start to see these buds of little apples. But beloved, it's not until the fall time at the perfect time of fall that the apples are fully ripe and ready to be plucked from the tree. And I don't know where you are right now in your faith walk. You may be in the winter seasons of your lives. You may be in the spring seasons of your lives. You may be in the fall seasons of your lives. I really don't know. But what I do know is this, is that when God planted your seed down into the earth realm, he gave you an assignment. And it may take a little wind and rain and fertilizer and frustration for that tree to grow. But understand this, if God planted it, it will produce fruits. You got to pray over it. You got to wait a little while. You, you don't know when it's going to happen. But let me tell you this. When we go at the right time to get our apples, the apples are just the right size. They're always sweet. And I always go back to Mr. Huber's farm for my apples because I know from Mr. Huber's farm, I'm going to get the best tasting apples. When I get ready for my mama to make the apple dumplings, I get them from Mr. Huber's farm. When my sister makes apple pies, I get them from Mr. Huber's farm. Um, Because I know that there is something about Mr. Huber's apples. He's cared for that tree. He's nurtured that tree. He's cultivated that tree. And I can go back because I've tasted and saw for myself that Mr. Huber's got the best apples in all the orchards in Kentucky. Yeah, I just want y'all to understand this as I take my seat, that I know that there's a lot of stuff that's going on. You think, God... When is it ever going to be over? When am I ever going to launch? When am I ever going to produce and bear fruit? I just want you to know that the countdown has begun. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. But you don't get to bear fruits until God says you're ready. You don't get to bear fruit. You don't bear it at ten. You don't bear it at six. You don't bear it at five. You don't even bear it at one. But when he says launch... You shall bear forth and go forth and be all that God is doing. So don't be discouraged in the shifting season of your life. Could you imagine the uncomfortableness the disciples must have felt that their Lord, their Savior, their Messiah that they've walked with for the last three years was now about to leave them? And he's talking stuff about Holy Ghost and, and appointed times. And no, I want you to say, like, I want, we have work that we have to do. And he said, yes, you sure do. And I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say because he said, look, where I'm going, you can't go. I have to go away and prepare a place for you to go. 
because in my father's house, there are, there are many mansions. Look, I've done all the work that I can do right here. Now it's time for me to shift on up so I can do the work up there because sooner or later, you're going to leave this plane and you're going to shift on up. And let me tell you something. I want to hear in that shifting season, well done, my good and faithful servants. You've been faithful in the hard times. You were faithful in the spring and the summer and the winter and the fall. Come on up so I can make you rule of many. So South Bay, be encouraged and continue to walk with God and be filled daily by his spirits. Relinquish your control for the guiding of his spirits and know that in due season, you will launch, you will bear fruit. Can I pray for y'all? Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are gathered in this place today. And I thank you for everything that you have spoken to our hearts. From the pulpit to the door, we hear you say, be filled. Father, from the pulpit to the door, we hear you say, let go of control and focus on what's priority to me. From the pulpit to the door, we hear you say, that you will bear fruit. And so, Father, right now, I pray for every one of my brothers and my sisters in this building that they will be encouraged to continue to go on one more day with you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus and stand in agreement with every mother that's been praying for their child, that that child will bear fruit for the glory of God. I pray and stand in agreement with every wife or every husband that has been praying that their marriage would be stronger. And I thank you, O oh God, for the seasons of life that is making that marriage stronger. And that they will exemplify the glory of God as long as they stay connected to you and to each other. Father, I pray for those who have been struggling with anger and frustration and fear. Father, I am reminded of what Paul told Timothy, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you have given us power. You have given us love and you have given us a sound mind. And so, Father, I declare all over this building power. I declare love and I declare a sound mind in the name of Jesus. We renounce and rebuke fear and we walk in faith. Thank you, Father, for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.